Florida. So I, I wanted to have uh, uh, Peter go ahead and, and, and put up a, a slide. It's one slide that I took of, uh, or a couple of slides that I took of uh, my time. So, so Nick's birthday is today. And, uh, and, uh, and so he's 27, he's turning 27 years old. And so, uh, we love road trips. And so I went down to, uh, to Georgia to take Nick on a road trip for his birthday. And, uh, it was epic. It was awesome. It was so much fun. And it was really cool because I just love getting time with Nick because we just get in the car and we just yak and talk and share about all sorts of stuff from deep, you know, kind of spiritual, talks just getting our heart out there to talking about LeBron and the NBA and the in March madness or whatever it might be. So just a really, really, really great time together. And so I have a picture there of um of myself and Nick and Bree and Mackenzie. And I don't know you can see it there in the background. Guys, I saw actual leaves budding in Georgia. So it's starting to move north. It's starting to, starting to come our way, but it's actually happening. Spring is springing. And, uh, that was really encouraging. And then down in South Florida, Nick and I went down to Tampa. We got an Airbnb, little, little like studio Airbnb down near Tampa, uh, near the beach. It was awesome. You can see me on the other slide. I got a really kind of wicked sort of suntan. I went on a long run on the beach, which was kind of my dream. I was hoping so much I'd just go for a run down on the beach in Florida, but I got really, I got really sunburned <laughs> because I didn't have any, any, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, I didn't have any, what do they, what do they call that? They call it a sunscreen, I guess. I didn't have any sunscreen on. So that's, that's me kind of starting to peel. But Nick and I went and found, we searched for and we found Tom Brady's mansion and so we figured hey we're in tampa let's go drop in on tom and giselle and the kids and see how they're doing see what's up you know see how they're feeling about the the super bowl victory and so you can see their kind of little house now little house this is massive huge mansion on an island uh in tampa bay and so we we found it and uh, we took a picture out in front and we tried to you know kind of see if we could we could um you know check in and but i don't think tom and giselle were home so Anyway, but that was really fun uh, to be able to do that. Um, anyhow, so it's just uh, it's just so cool to be able to be with family and to uh, just get a chance to to travel. I feel like I got sort of a new lease on life coming out of COVID, uh, and I was actually down visiting my parents who both uh, finished their vaccinations a, a couple few weeks ago, and it was just awesome to be uh, with my mom who is struggling with dementia. If you could be praying for my mom. And uh, with my kids and just to get some hugs and kisses and times together to, uh, to connect. And so I'm really, really thankful for that. And um, I know we all are. I know we all are as we uh, get more time like that with, uh, with extended family and friends. So today I wanted to talk about <clears throat> my, my sermon is entitled All Rise. And uh, it's kind of like a, the, the week before the the resurrection uh sunday the kind of the week before easter uh message that's uh, really been on my heart but um <clears throat> i wanted to talk today about about the fact that not only did jesus rise he rose above circumstance he rose above challenge he rose above criticism he rose above all the forces that were stacked against him and 
he's such an incredible model for us to not just be him that's rising, but to, he wants to be a model and a helper and a guide so that we can rise. We can rise above every challenge because of course the grand finale was Jesus rose from the dead and, and he came to say, not only can I rise from the dead, but all can rise from the dead. And so we're going to be talking about that a little bit this morning. Let's pray together and uh, let's enjoy some time in the scriptures. Go ahead and get out your Bible too. And, and let's, let's get, let's get encouraged by God this morning. Let's, let's hear what God has to say to us. Let's, let's listen to Jesus and kind of his, his direction for us this morning because um, he really wants us to rise. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so, so much for this morning. Just a chance to be with, uh, be with uh, brothers and sisters, uh, encourage one another to hear your voice. Father, to, to be inspired by your spirit. Father, to hear the prayers. Father, to, uh, to be, uh, united and connected in, in you, God, in Christ. Father, thank you for this time. Father, give us a vision this morning. Father, give us that, that sense of inner strength and faith and hope. Father, that, uh, that we can rise no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what's challenging at this, at this point, that Jesus rose from the dead and, and certainly we can rise above. Uh, in our, in our, in our challenges of life. Father, lead us and guide us by your spirit. Thank you so much for your word. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So let's get our Bibles and turn over to the book of Matthew. Turn over to the book of Matthew. We're going to start here in just a moment, Matthew chapter 16. And I want to show you some totally incredible passages that I think really have the potential to change our lives, even this morning. Uh, even now, to literally change the course of our lives if we'll really take them to heart. Um, you know, we've been talking about living the good life. We've been doing a series on living the good life. We're reading through the good news, being the New Testament. But we all know that that life isn't all sunshine and daisies. Can I get an amen on that? Life's, life can be difficult. Life can be challenging. It's not all kind of, uh, you know, pep talks and, you know, positivity all the time. It's, 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 it's challenging. And, th- and we face things that, that, that can really take us out if we're not careful. Um, even living the good life involves suffering. No matter who you are or what life you're living, life involves suffering for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a billionaire. It doesn't matter if you're down in Florida living in sunshine. Every life involves suffering. And Jesus teaches us how to turn this suffering to our advantage. To literally take suffering that takes so many people out and literally turn it to our advantage so that suffering becomes a blessing. So that suffering becomes a gift, not to be feared, but to be embraced. Jesus himself was incredibly humble and gentle and kind, wasn't he? I mean, we look at Jesus, we go, man, what a heart. What, what compassion. What, what a, what a tenderness. What an approachability. Jesus was so soft hearted. He was so meek. And, um, and it, and it draws us to him. It's, it's just such a powerful, so many powerful qualities in him of, 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 of kind of the softer side of, of Jesus, of God. But he was, he was also incredibly tough. Jesus was incredibly resilient. Uh, he was in t- incredibly gritty and gutsy. 
He had a life force that was fearless, that literally went into the very, very face of danger and overcame. And it's, it's that combination for me. I don't know what it is for you, but it's that combination for me that really makes Jesus my hero. I want to be just like him. I want to follow in his footsteps. I want to see what he's like, see how he handled things. I want to listen to his voice and I I want to model my life after him. And I think that's what he wants in all of us. He wants to inspire us to, 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 to rise. He wants to inspire us to, to greater places than sometimes we even believe we can go uh, ourselves. You know, there's a book that came out a few, a few years ago called grit. And I'm sure some of you are familiar with the book. But it talked about how in education, it was written from sort of the point of view of education. And it was, it, it basically said that it's not, it's not natural talent. It's not natural beauty as the world sees it. It's not, you know, um, you know, natural, uh, qualities that we so often associate with success. It, when you look at, at, at children, when you look at adults who are successful, it really comes down to grit. It really comes down to resilience. Um, you know, and so much of who we, who we sort of admire in life is going to really d- determine sort of who we become as we face challenges. You know, I never forget, I never forget working on a ranch in Colorado when I was 18 years old and I was traveling around the States. Um, and I worked at this ranch out in the mountains in Colorado and it was just a bunch of us. And a lot of us were kind of in the midst of some sort of journey. And so we, we, I worked at this ranch, this kind of dude ranch, um, for a few months. And there was this guy, his name was Dave. And one of the things I noticed as I was there longer is that Dave never took showers and Dave never changed his clothes. And in fact, he was kind of proud of the fact that he never changed his underwear and he wore this sort of onesie sort of for his, for his underwear. And I was like, who is this? What's the deal with, this, with Dave? And he would be out in the, in the back in his free time. And he would be practicing his lassoing. He wore this cowboy hat. And Dave's Dave's hero, his goal in life is he was going to be a cowboy. And so he was going to dress like a cowboy. He was going to act like a cowboy. He was going to smell like a cowboy. And uh, that was his vision. He, the Marlboro Man, was his was his hero. And uh, and so he was going to become just like him. Thank goodness we've got a different hero, right? <laughs> Thank goodness. We can have a lot of heroes in life and people that we're aspiring to be like. But at the end of the day, it's such, it's such an incredible honor to have Jesus because he, he lived real life and he overcame real death. And so I wanted to look at a few things about, about Jesus this morning. You know, Jesus wasn't born resilient. I want to say that again. Jesus wasn't born resilient. He became Resilient. It says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. It says in Hebrews in the scriptures says that he learned, he learned resilience from what he suffered and what he went through. And so Jesus was in training just like he calls us to be in training. And it's interesting because Jesus was prepared for the challenges that came in his life. Uh, Jesus trained in his heart and his mind. He set his heart on things above. He set his mind on things above. Jesus was trained for, for real life. Jesus was not a fake religious guy. He wasn't sort of, he didn't just kind of put on this mask and try, and, and try to pretend to be who he was. 
Jesus was the real thing and he faced real suffering and he faced real challenges. But then he also helps us to understand how to overcome. Jesus dug down deep. He didn't just talk about digging down deep in his, in the Sermon on the Mount or in the Sermon on the Plain. Jesus actually dug down deep like a wise man building his house on the rock. He set his heart and mind on things above, like it talks about in Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. You know, it'd be a great study. If you ever want to do a great study, go back and look up, look, look up the words about setting your heart and setting your mind. We have the ability in our mind to set the most important part of us, to set its course, to set its direction. Our mind actually is able to work through things in order to set our emotions and to set our passions and our loves from our heart. And so it's a great study if you ever want to do it about setting your heart and setting your mind. It's such a key. It's such a key to life. So we're going to look at a little bit of that this morning. Now, next Sunday is Easter, right? And what do we celebrate on Easter? We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Really the only person to predict his resurrection and actually do it. Do you guys know anybody else who predicted their resurrection and did it? Anybody else in history? Anybody else in your family? Anybody else that have been the lore, <laughs> the folklore of your own family line? Is there anybody? Anybody that predicted in detail their, their death and their resurrection and actually did it? I don't. I think the shops are awesome. I think the McGurks are awesome, but there's no resurrection story in our family. Jesus is the only one. And it's interesting because the resurrection was the central message in the book of Acts. The, the apostles went out and didn't say, hey, Jesus was a really good moral teacher. They didn't say he was really a great guy. They didn't say he was really handsome. He was really rich. He, they said, Jesus lived among us. And as you know, he literally, he physically rose from the dead. That was his distinguishing characteristic. And in essence, Jesus said, hey, I'm, I'm telling you this in detail. So when I do it, you'll know that everything else I said was true. You can trust everything else I ever did, everything else I ever said. But if I don't do this, if I don't come through, if I don't resurrect from the dead, then don't believe it. And Jesus would just be forgotten in history as a guy who said a lot of great things, but didn't come through on his central claim to be able to rise from the dead, but he did. But this resurrection didn't happen by accident. Jesus was prepared for this brutal act that was brought upon him of crucifixion and death. He was ready. And so when the time came for him to rise from the dead, he did it. He rose from the dead and gives us a vision. Now, here's the thing. God wants Easter. God wants literally every day. But I think there's a special part of springtime where God wants springtime to be a time of personal resurrection, of community resurrection. One of the things I'm really praying about right now and, and, and praying as I pray for all of you guys and pray for us is that each of us this spring, would, would even as we're coming out of COVID, as we're coming out of a lot of personal challenges, that each of us would experience a personal resurrection, that we together as a, as a body, as a community, as a church would experience a resurrection, a newness, a new focus, 
uh, a renewal in our spirit, our joy, in uh, our faith. You know, um, Jesus rose from the dead so that we could all rise. He didn't just do it for himself. So here's the thing. Guys, regardless of circumstance, regardless of challenges, regardless of race, of age, of gender, of the forces that are stacked against you, guys, regardless of criticism, just doesn't matter what everybody else out there is saying, regardless of health, regardless of finances, regardless of family, we can all rise. If we'll do it Jesus' way, if we'll hear his words to us, we will rise. Now, here's the thing, guys. Most people are crushed by the challenges that face them. Most people don't know what to do when the storms come. They're not ready. They're not prepared. And so they don't have the grit and the resilience and the faith to be able to face that storm. They may have known it was coming, but they didn't prepare in the meantime. They didn't dig down deep. They didn't lay their foundation on the rock. And so most people are crushed. And a lot of it is because they have the wrong hero. And the hero that they were following, the teacher that they were following, didn't prepare them for the things that were coming in real life. But that's not us. That's not us. We are followers of the Most High God. We are followers of Jesus Christ who literally rose from the dead. And so we're not going to be surprised. We're going to be ready for the resurrection. And we are going to resurrect because we can and because we must and because we will. Let's look over in Matthew chapter 16. I put these passages up on a, on a, a slide for us to read through. But I want us to read through this, guys. There's literally um, five times, one, two, three, four, five times where Jesus predicts his death and what was going to happen to him. Um and then, uh, and then, and then in his resurrection. Look at what it says here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Now, guys, let's stop right there. Why in the world is Jesus going to suffer at the hands of people that should actually be blessing him and loving him and leading him spiritually. The challenge is sometimes some of the most difficult challenges we go through are actually in our faith community. And so in Jesus' faith community, these are guys that he got to know from the time he was a little kid. We see him talking with them and building relationships with them when he was 12. But but he was going to suffer many things at the hands of, of these people. Wow, it's crazy. The injustice of it, the unfairness of it. The chief priest and the teacher of the law, and that he must be killed. Huh? What? Should we read that again? He must be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. So here's the thing with Jesus. Jesus wasn't living in some fantasy world. Jesus was squarely facing the challenges of his time. He was squarely facing the realities of life. And he was saying, this is what's going to happen to me, and this is how I will deal with it. Watch. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 9 says, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them. They'd just been on the mountain, a mountain of transfiguration. He says, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised 
from the dead. Jesus was setting his mind on rising from the dead. He was setting his heart, not on the things of this earth, not on earthly things, but on the things of God. He said, I will rise. Jesus will rise. Sometimes he even referred to himself in the third person. And sometimes that's helpful because what it does, when it doesn't, when we say something like Steve will rise, he will rise. What I'm doing is I'm observing myself doing something that almost becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, the Bible says, you know, when you pray, believe that you've received it and it shall be yours. There's power in vision. And so sometimes, you know, sometimes Jesus referred to these things. He said, the son of man will rise. He will rise. And he envisioned himself rising from the dead, overcoming. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Matthew 17, verse 22, it says, when they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. Matthew 20, verse 17 and 19. Now, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the 12 aside and said to them, we are going up to Jerusalem. The son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Jesus was setting his heart. Jesus was setting his course. Jesus was setting his mind on rising from the dead. In this one, he talks about the Gentiles. Were the Romans, was there some fair system of government in the Roman Empire? No. It was extremely unfair. It was extremely, um, violent. No one had rights. And so this was part of it as well. Jesus was being handed over to an unfair government to be killed. But he said, I will rise. I will overcome. Matthew 26, verse two. As you know, the Passover is two days away. And the son of man will be handed over to be crucified. Jesus was, he understood what was coming. He saw the storms coming and he was preparing not to run away, not to be the play, the victim in these situations. Jesus was planning to be victorious. And it's such a great example for us. We see Jesus heart here. So Easter Sunday comes. Jesus, everything that he predicted happens. He's crucified on Friday. And then everything goes silent on Saturday. Who knows? I mean, you know, what was happening, you know, in those, in, in that day, but it was silent. Sometimes there is a silence between even our goals and our hopes and our dreams and our expectations. There's Saturdays that are involved where there's silence and a lot of ways we just got to hang on. We just got to live by faith. We just got to trust God and hang in there. But then Sunday came and I'm sure, and we see in the scriptures that the, all the guys were afraid that what Jesus had said wouldn't happen. But sure enough, the women went to the tomb. And in Matthew chapter 28, it says the angel said to the woman, women, Actually, I'm going to turn, I'm just going to go ahead and turn there because this is like the defining <laughs> act of all history. And it says uh, in chapter 28 in verse, uh, in verse one, it says, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week in verse one, 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. That's cool. That's really amazing. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. That guards were so afraid of him. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. And God would say to us today, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't give in anxiousness. Don't give in to, to the fear. He says, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. That was, that was the reputation up to that point. That was what was written about Jesus up to that point. Jesus who was crucified. Dot, dot, dot. Look in verse two. I mean, I'm sorry. Look in verse six. He is not here. He has risen. Now listen to this. Just as he said. Jesus was a man of his word. Jesus said he would rise. And so what did he do? He rose. He rose from the dead. And he comes to us in all of our weakness. He comes to humanity in all of our pain. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. You can do this too. Look over in Matthew chapter 7. I want to give us some homework as we close out here and and have some communion together. The first thing I really want to ask us all to do is to write down some faith statements. Because I think I think what happens to us is we we go through a lot of fear thinking throughout the day. And we're faced with things and we give in to fear because in essence we're weak. In essence, you know, when it comes to the storms of life, we we feel unable. And I want us to write down some fear statements that start with this. I will rise. And I want you to write down some things that you're going to rise above. Maybe some circumstances that are challenging right now. Maybe some difficulties financially. Maybe some things that, um, that, that are, that are, that are really kind of getting you down and say, I will rise and write down some faith statements about how, yeah, the world is going to come at you. You're going to be treated unfairly. You're going to go through difficulty. There's going to be some really tough circumstances, but you're going to rise. I want you to write down another, another list of, of, of faith, faith statements. We will rise. And I want you to think about your family. And I want you to think about your life team. And I want you to think about maybe some other teams that you're on that are really important to you. And I want you to get a vision. I want you to literally picture it as you're writing these things down, how you as a family are going to rise above circumstances, rise above what, what might be crushing other people. But because of, because of Jesus' spirit being in you, because of Jesus' direction in your life, you're going to rise. And I want us to meditate on these. I want us to marinate in these. I want us to get to that place that Jesus was at where he said it with confidence, where he said it with faith. And so, you know, it would happen. He literally, when he prayed, he believed that he would receive it. And so sure enough, it became his faith statements. The second thing I want to ask us to do is our homework. First is writing down some faith statements. Second is to recommit to the most powerful habit of all. It's so easy to get out of this habit. 
but to recommit to the most powerful habit of all that we find in Matthew chapter 7 and in Luke chapter 6. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. You guys ready? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man or woman who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he had taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. You know, Jesus' words were amazing, but here's the thing. Jesus did it. And so he was ready for the greatest storm of all, death. But he wasn't a foolish man who built his house in the sand. He was a wise man. But so many people around him didn't do this basic thing. They didn't hear his words and then put them into practice. And so when the storms came, they were crushed. That's not us. We are disciples of Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. We are avid actors, active learners, hearers of his word, observers of his life. But we also don't just listen and aren't just amazed from a distance. We practice every single day. We take up our cross daily and we follow him. And so we become more and more like him. Look over finally in James chapter one, James chapter one. It's interesting, James grew up with Jesus. James was written by the brother of Jesus. And so he had, he had a front row seat to this dude, Jesus, that, uh, that we, that we read about in the scriptures. And, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting there. Um, but you know, I'm sure Jesus and James talked about all sorts of stuff as they were growing up. But one of the things, and a lot of it kind of comes out in the book of James. And one of the things that James says in verse 22, it says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. This is becoming religious. This is becoming a religious hypocrite. When we listen to the Bible, we study the Bible, we study about the Bible, we study insights in the Bible, we get to know the Bible, but we don't, but we don't do what it says. We're deceiving ourselves. And we're becoming just like the people that we grew up going, I don't ever want to be like that. But we don't have to be. We don't have to become that way. He says, don't le- merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, the man or woman, of course, the man or woman who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Guys, let's be blessed. Let's be blessed with joy. Let's be blessed with inner peace. Let's be blessed with a sense of satisfaction because we're doing it Jesus' way. Let's be blessed that as we go through storms, we're not, we're not taken out. Now we might be injured. We might go through some things. We might not look pretty. <laughs> but let's be blessed because we don't just listen to the word and walk away, but we do what it says. Can we do that? 
Can we take that homework to, to one, write down some faith statements about how we're going to rise? And then two, recommit ourselves to this basic habit. This basic habit will mean everything as you look back on, on your life and how you built it. The world around us is building on the sand. And so it's just one fatality. It's one, it's one sad story after another. But we don't have to do that. We can build our house on the rock, hearing and practicing Jesus' words and rising. All of us, the whole body rising, even in the face of really, really challenging things. That's who we are. That's our heritage in Christ. And what, what, a, what an honor and a privilege it is. So guys, as we take communion and we take the bread and we remember Jesus' body and we take the juice or the wine and remember Jesus' blood that really poured out of his body that was given for us, let's recommit ourselves to lives of faith, to lives of rising from the dead. Let's recommit ourselves to following in his footsteps, not just in pretense, not just on the outside, not just on Sundays or Easter or Christmas, but day to day, moment to moment, and we will be blessed. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Where would we be without him? And let's go back and let's just say thanks for who he is and what he's meant to us. Let's really enjoy this time of communion. Love you guys. Let's pray, and then we'll enjoy community together. Father, we uh, love you deeply. God, thank you so much for this incredible example of Jesus, our big brother, our leader, our Messiah, our master, our Lord. Father, what a faithful man. What a faithful friend. And, Father, thank you that he not only uh, died for our sins, but he rose from the dead uh, for our sins, for our life, for our eternal life. We love you, God. We thank you for him. And we wanted to say, just remember him as we uh, take communion. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.